Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. Uh, this week I sit down with Edward Woodley from uh, China Heights Gallery. How are you going? Very well, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, so, this is a great space you got here. It's, uh, Thank you. Yeah, like I've, uh, I've never been here before. I've only um, gauged it from, uh, from photos I've seen online and stuff yeah. like that. And I had a um, vision that it was going to be this like walking off the street right, type of yeah. gallery like a yeah. lot of them. But um, yeah, it's a beautiful old building. You've got yeah. uh, really nice nice space thank you have you, have you always been is this been like the original yeah location? so we're situated in surrey hills in sydney uh which is kind of like next to the city but it's a bit industrial but initially when we first moved in 15 years ago the area was it was just after the olympics and the area had just kind of commenced what you consider gentrification um, but our street particularly, Foster Street, was uh, boarded up and around the corner you have a lot of the refuges and those kinds of elements. So this particular street was quite, I mean obviously it's desirable because it's a block away from the city, but also it had a, uh, a bit of a, uh, I don't know, it was a, a, an un- unestablished edge. And uh, anyway, so we needed a studio, but actually a friend needed a, stu- I, a friend had a studio and uh, I needed a studio. So I got a studio space up here, which is just a desk in the corner over there. Um, and over sort of over the following year, we acquired more and more space, more and more desk space. And then before we knew it, we had the whole kind of floor and uh, in that time, then we set up a one of the rooms, a spare room, as a not. I guess you'd consider it a gallery, but it was more of just a blank space. Um, so I just to backtrack, we're talking about about two thousand and four. Um, so yeah, again, the the city was a different sort of place then. Um, and I think if I look for a similar space now, I couldn't find it because obviously the, it's, it's too expensive around here now. Um, anyway, so we had the, we got the studio space and we set up the space to do things. Um, again, we didn't, we didn't set everything up to, okay, we're gonna set up a gallery. We just had the space. We did a couple of things. Then we started doing a few shows and from the shows, it just grew from there to where we are today. Um, in that time, we have, uh, we need to expand our studio space. So we moved the gallery up the road to Crown Street, which was a good test for us because we were able to test whether our business relied on the location, being a warehouse in Surrey Hills, or whether there was enough of a business name that it could be placed elsewhere. And, um, <coughs> sorry. So we went up to Crown Street, only a few blocks away. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did what you said. We opened up a gallery, which although it wasn't ground floor, it was you know, one floor up, but we looked onto Crown Street and our presence was very much there. And we were there for a few years. Um, in that time, obviously we still had the studio on Foster Street where we're sitting right now. Um, and Crown Street was great. And the business was still maintained profile had a level of success meaning we could still pay the bills um 
but the main problem in Crown Street was it was a, a very small space. It was very limiting. Um, and we knew how much space we had down here in Foster Street. So we eventually, when we freed up a bit of studio space down on Foster Street, we transported the gallery back from Crown Street, back to Foster Street. Um, so we went Foster Street, Crown Street, back to Foster Street. And again, it was a bit of a test of to, as to whether or not the, the business would survive another move. Um, but again, I think people, we had well established our name at that point. So people were, it's like anything in business where you just have to, you have to maintain consistency, but also you will have a bit, you need to evolve and change and keep your audience. You don't want to be stale for your audience. No. Um, so anyway, we moved back down here and then here we are to this day. Yeah. And um, with the space up here, cause you've got two galleries, yep. like within the one space. Yep. Have you always had both or you just, um, yeah. you got the small one well, and then you it's, it's, it's a funny one because I guess to create a picture where it is uh, an old sort of rag trade warehouse building. Um, and we more or less have the floor of this warehouse. And again, it's very much a destination spot. It's third floor up. It's relatively difficult access. You need to know where we are. Um, and in that space we had, initially we set up the gallery in that main room there. And again, we're there for a few years. And then when we moved to Crown Street, we literally, the studio had a lot of people in it then. Um, one of the ways we sort of subsidized our rent was having other people up here sharing the rent with us and creative studios, etc. Um, and then when we brought the gallery back down here, that space where the gallery initially was, the main room, it was no longer available but that smaller space next door uh, was free so then we trans we put we transferred the gallery from up there down into a smaller space and then again over time as the bigger space opened up then we set up the main gallery in there so it's kind of a tricky one we we have two separate spaces very much in the same address for two isolated rooms um but occasionally you might have an exhibition which is a really large exhibition which goes across both spaces or you know, a small gallery, a small exhibition, a small gallery, a large exhibition, a large gallery. Um, but I guess the main thing is to sort of be able to accommodate either, either or use either space either in unison or complementary to each other. Mm. Um, again, it's a bit tricky without seeing the two spaces but we do, we treat each space as a separate space, but again, they can easily work as one unified space too. Yeah. I quite like going to exhibitions where there's like two shows in yeah. different rooms on the yeah. same night. It's, yeah. um, you get, it's like two for the price of one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, that, that's the other thing too. When we decided to, when the other space opened up, we decided we could have two simultaneous spaces. Um, it was a bit of a, not so much of a risk, but it was definitely a bit of a, um, a trial for us because we put so much energy into each exhibition and we thought if we have two simultaneous shows is one exhibiting party going to feel not as supported by us or they're not going to feel as promoted or whatever it may be um, or one artist might feel favoured than the other but that really came down to the uh, I wouldn't say curation but more about the programming um, and it's about having artists that are complementary not too similar um, 
and you just want you don't want to have the one audience when you have two separate audiences for two separate shows but we found over the last few years it's actually worked out in our favor so it's been it's been great to launch sort of more emerging younger artists um, that may not have may not have a large audience offset it with a larger established show or sometimes we might have a really conceptual show which has a very small audience but then we can offset it with a kind of a, a more commercial show which will have a, a bigger crowd coming along mm. so again each sort of series of exhibitions is a, a, it's unique we never have there's not one set formula emerging established artists it could be either or it could be different disciplines or different mediums or anything like that yeah because you're like you're quite a well-known Sydney gallery like I like I don't know a lot of galleries in Sydney but yeah. I've known you guys for years yeah um like, do you have to be um, fussy when you're curating just to make sure you maintain like a level of quality? Like, yeah. even though you want to give um, young up and coming yeah. a go, but then and you want to also get the bigger names in as well. Yeah. Like, do you like are you really really strict on on who you get in here? Yeah, again, sort of in the last um, you know almost whatever that is, fifteen years of operation. Um, I guess we really have to look at the, the timeline of that, and when we. When we first started out, we, you know, of that first year or so, really finding our legs and understanding dynamic for space and having exhibitions or what have you, we, we were doing a lot of shows. Almost, like, it, it felt like a show every week. It wasn't. It was more like maybe two or three a month. But it was constant churning it out. And it was just a huge demand. Um, and it wasn't really a business thing. It was more just like, there's a lot of great artists around. We know a lot of people. We've got a great space. These show, we realized it wasn't that difficult to put on a show, just a lot of hard work. Um, so we're doing a lot of shows, cranking it out, show after show. Um, and we found the, the problem with that was we, you, I mean, you, you, you kind of dilute your, I guess you have to call it a brand, the gallery name. Um, you dilute that a little because people associate it with this form of art or that form of art or that artist, that group of artists, etc. Um, but at the same time, we couldn't just do a radical thing that, all right, stop, we're just going to do this from now on. Mm-hmm. We had to slowly kind of, I guess, mature as our practice matured or our business matured. Um, and we had to be a bit more considerate about what we showed for whatever the reason, being selling work or the direction of the gallery. Um, and so over time, bit by bit, we really sort of refined it and streamlined it to be, ultimately we work with what traditionally would be considered a, a, a stable of artists. Um, and in that is a small group of artists, maybe, I don't know, 18, 20 artists that we work with on a monthly rotation. Um, and but in that time we still have to be we still have to have sort of again it's a programming thing we still have to have the capacity to potentially do exhibitions that might come to us with short notice that really comes into place with artists that are based abroad so we might have an artist from overseas they're like hey I'm coming to town for this project can we put on this exhibition um Again, that, that sort of that we have that opportunity a lot. More often than not, we can't actually facilitate that. However, we 
we do have that capacity to occasionally sort of host these exhibitions. And same goes with some artists in the state or even in the city. Um, so I guess the difference is when we first sort of started, we were very much a, a uh, not quite a rental space, but a pretty much a, just an empty room. You can do what you want. Uh, to where we are now, which is a, a I don't know, a, a commercial gallery to a point, meaning we're selling work. Um, and we work with a group of artists that we represent. And again, some of those artists we might only work with once or twice. Some will have an ongoing relationship with indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. coming down to being picky, it's just about really selecting artists that we, it's beyond liking an, art, an artist's artwork. You have to have a very good relationship with the artist. And we, obviously the key thing in any relationship is communication. So it's about being able to know where the artist's at, know where you're at, so the artist understands the gallery. It's all sort of transparent and uniform, equal treatment and everything. Um, but I don't know, it's a tricky one. We, there's, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, you know what I'm saying? I, don't I know, know, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so like when you, um, when you are looking for an artist, like to choose an artist, yeah. like what, what are you, what sort of qualities are you looking for in them and how do you go about like contacting them and yeah. like, and, and you know, teeing up an exhibition? It's really? a funny one. We're not out there actively hunting for artists, obviously mm-hmm. through, I mean, more so now than ever with social media being so um, immediate. Um, we are exposed to a lot of art and we see a lot of art, but we're not out there searching for artists we very much are working with a set of artists and we want to just continue working with that, those artists. How we've forged those relationships is um, case by case. Um, but, you know, like, like I think you were saying before, like sometimes if a new artist approaches us and for whatever reason we have a good connection, we appreciate each other's, you know, they appreciate the gallery or we appreciate their art. Um, sometimes we may invite them to be in a group show, which is really a great litmus test, really. You might, the artist might be great, but for whatever reason, they take a different direction or, you know. Um, so usually the great, the best way for us to introduce new artists is with a, a group show. Um, so every year we sort of curate one or two group shows um, with the emphasis purely being on showing new work. It's not a trial run for the artist, but sometimes that happens and that's what becomes of it. Yeah. Um, but occasionally we do a group show with you know, 50, 60 artists, which is pretty rare, but and it's a lot of work. And that's really a good way for us to introduce new artists, give them an opportunity to work with some really established names, um, but also work with people we don't work with that often. Um, so I guess to answer you, we're not out there actively looking for artists. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's a hard one. I don't know how we even how we get the artists. People just come onto your radar, don't no, they? No, well, I mean, it's one of those things. It's sort of you don't. I don't know. People just eventually sort of align for whatever reason. Mm. I got to say, with the gallery, we. I mean, we have a level of there's a barrier between us and say the artist we don't have a general proposal or a general submission button on our website you've got to make a bit of effort to actually get in touch with us um and so that already is sort of one 
sort of barrier. But honestly, I'm getting about three emails a day from people trying to do exhibitions. Um, and it's a little overwhelming at first. And I'd never do a cut and paste email of, sorry, we're not accepting proposals. Of course, I do have to say more or less that stuff in most of the emails. Um, but I don't know. But I, I, it's hard because you get these great artists approaching you, but sometimes you, you physically just can't facilitate it mm. you can't host a show um, and luckily we've got some good relationships with other galleries around the place where some place which are a bit more like rental spaces or some places are you know fast turnaround show places and so quite often we do we we never just say no see you later we always try and prompt them and steer them yeah but at the same time, there's some artists that are persistent and then some things aren't relevant to us and then maybe down the track they do become relevant. Sometimes we, something might approach us and then all of a sudden we start looking for something and then we realize we've been in touch with this person and you know you rekindle that conversation. Um, I just, it's just a hard one. As you said, there's really not that many galleries. I mean, obviously you look at the gallery list, there's hundreds of galleries in Sydney and there there is. Um, but for like-minded stuff it's either too unattainable or perhaps it's maybe a bit too uh disorganized or it's not relevant i don't know it's yeah. like anything but it's, as an artist it's like there's galleries that you want to show with and then there's other galleries that are just galleries like you see someone like a, a general high street or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. and it's like well it's a gallery yeah. they're selling art yeah. but like i don't know anything about them i've yeah. never heard them yeah like i don't i've never thought to go to an opening there yeah you know, exactly. why, why, why would I want to show there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's um, it's sort of like sticking with um, I don't know keep, you know sticking with what feels right and what yeah. you know about yeah. I think it's the best way to go about it yeah definitely but um, but with uh, like especially up and coming artists but I've also seen this happen with emerging artists yeah. where they're living off their art mm. and they're they're paranoid they're not going to sell any artwork mm. and they start pricing their mm. art like low yeah. and I find like personally I find it cheapens their art yeah. but um but have you had artists um, try this? Like where they, where they, you know, you got the show all set up, you're doing the price list and you're like, no, we, we can't sell your art for that price. You, you, yeah. that's, not the, um, you, that's not your level. We need, mm. this is how we yeah. see you. And then yeah. you, so you have to match that price point. Yeah. Look, again, it's sort of being in the game for a while now. Um, anything you can imagine was sort of experienced. Um, and it's it's a very big i wouldn't say it's a problem but it's definitely a thing it's a situation where realistically you only want to be working with an uh, an artist that is so passionate about their art it's irrelevant if they're making money from it mm. if you just got some churn and burn artist that just wants to make money and the arts almost secondary it's all about the commerce i mean i i respect that but at the same time it's kind of what motivates the the artists um and same with the gallery if the gallery just wants to make money just a gallery whatever that may be then perhaps they will compromise their vision or they may not even have a vision they're just just selling stuff um which again is definitely a style of uh a gallery which is great for some but it's not really really where we're at nor do we really want to work with artists that just want to be selling work um in saying that we are running a business and we have to keep our doors open um 
So, you know, we're always... A big consideration of every exhibition is selling work. Occasionally, you might do a show which isn't about selling work, very rarely, um, because they might have a grant or funding, you know, etc. Um, but, so, you know, with the, with the artists, like, from the artist's point of view, like, I can only really talk from the gallery perspective of observing what the artists may go through. It's really about nurturing that relationship between the artists because the artist doesn't rock up to the gallery a week before saying, hey, here's the art, let's do the show. Mm. You're really, you're engaged with them more often than not, you know, 18 months, two years prior to the show, sometimes longer, sometimes less. And in that time, you, you are discussing the work, discussing the best way to display the work, what will be commercially appealing, what people are going to want. And so I guess point is it's very rare you get to a show where the artist's like oh, actually going to change it because already you've really established as much as they've established what they're going to create you've also been establishing price point within a you know with a certain bracket um and it's a tricky one too because if you have a brand new artist coming to you you have to you you essentially are creating their starting point and their market value so if they don't know what to charge for their work mm. you have to say well around this size someone in a similar position to you their starting point was this so then you price it accordingly and then with each show and each sale the problem is sometimes an artist blows up and people get greedy and they like up the value like crazy mm. which I think is a bit uh, it's very uh, it doesn't have much foresight it's good for that immediate sale but then you can kind of you know, over overprice your market or mm. price all your audience out. Um, so we really try and look at within each show. Again, it might be eighteen months, two years between the show. Anywhere from say five, ten, maybe fifteen percent increase in value. There are certain things in certain exhibitions where some works are significantly underpriced for whatever reason. Sometimes the artist may want to do some really little works for their friends to buy the work, but then you. That you may not be able to maintain that because once the gallery takes a commission, tax, all this, you know, material expenses, time, all this stuff, then the artist doesn't get much money. Yeah. But again, some artists are fine with that. Um, yeah, I've definitely seen it's a, it's a really it's a tricky relationship because you want to have a really good relationship with the artist where they understand that you basically are interfacing with the client. The client may be the artist's mother or a relative or a best friend or their boss or someone close to them, which the it's maybe a little tricky for the artist to hit up their mom to, hey, can you pay that invoice kind of thing? <laughs> um, you know, there, there's less and less of that, I guess. But, you know, every artist, particularly when they have their early on show, you find a lot of their buyers are their immediate support network, which is definitely not worth discrediting because there's nothing wrong with in the same way if your mate's got a show of course you want to support them mm. get a piece so you have that but then once they really start establishing themselves and we see it as a trend by the time they hit the second third fourth show they might know one or two buyers but the artist won't know any of the buyers so again it's really about having you almost serve as an agent for the artists mm -hmm. you sell the artist's work at the end of the show or whatever the time period you say, invoice me for this, I'll pay you for this. The artist doesn't have to worry about anything. I've got the job, or the gallery has the job of chasing money, chasing invoices, doing all that stuff. Um, 
which most artists, some artists are very business savvy and business minded and they can usually do that. And quite often they don't need a gallery because um, they don't feel it's relevant, which is fine. Um, but more often than not, the artist just wants to make work, have a successful show, sell some work, make money, keep painting, and just you know keep cycling through this kind of process. Um, a lot of, uh, you want to, basically you want to have the artists have such a good experience with the gallery that of course they're going to want to work with you in the same way any creative person works for an agency or has, the, has an agent. So harmoniously the creative works for the agency, the agency is working for the creative, so yeah. forth. So you just do the work you get paid. Yeah. And do you, do you do um, like I know you said you got a stable of artists yeah. that you work with, but you do do you like do artist representation as well? Like do you like say um, China Heights represents X artist? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a tricky one because in the in the, the the sort of traditional gallery sense, there's the gallery they represent the artist, they sell the work. In between exhibitions, you might have a client approach the gallery, they do a commission, in the same same process as an exhibition, but more so these days you will have we'll have random clients unrelated to art sales that might be say a, a council or a business and they say we're looking for some artists to paint a mural or we need to buy artwork for something usually selling a work for say a foyer or something that's just a normal process you sell the work um, and in those instances where you have a potential client approaching you about an artist for a project, whatever it may be, um, you, we can facilitate that. And a lot of the time we do, and we definitely suggest artists. Occasionally it's literally just a, an introduction. Yeah, this is this guy, meet this guy, they do the project, see you later kind of thing. Mm. But again, once you have that relationship with the artist, quite often the artist says, I'd love to do the project, can you deal with the business side? Mm. I mean, the actual, these, the sort of, the commission structure and the pricing structure of all of that, that's a whole different process than selling a physical artwork. Um, but, so I guess to answer, yes, we do do that, but it's not our sole thing. It's just something we have the capacity to do if we have the opportunity or if the opportunity arises. Mm. Um, yeah, artist management, say in the creative sense, there's a lot of people that already do that. And a lot of artists we work with already have creative agencies that manage them um, which is you know which is great it's just another way for the artists to sell the work and I think as you were saying with yourself in in this kind of world and this marketplace the artist it, I don't think it's a bad thing if the artist has maybe an element of commercial practice outside of their fine art process whether it's you know doing a design for someone a t-shirt design or a mural or whatever designing a, a menu for a restaurant there's all that stuff which I think is good for the art that's why the artists quite often a lot of our artists do actually have creative agencies outside of the gallery representation because mm. I know with some galleries there's um, limitations if they yeah. like represent an artist like yeah. you, you don't put any limitations on your artists look there, we there's an expectation in the same way the gallery the artist has an expectation of us um it's very, we're transparent with everything. We're transparent with money. We're transparent with all the process. We don't say this is that. We explain the process the whole way through. Limitations and expect, I'd say expectations are 
again, this is more in the traditional sense. If you, if we are showing you, you show, we exclusively show your work in generally speaking, this state, um, New South Wales. Um, and if you are to show with another gallery, you run it by us first, more as a case of us to facilitate the process. You know, for instance, today I had to send off one of our artists artwork to another gallery in a group show. Um, so it's more logistical support than anything. Um, and then in turn, if they are shown elsewhere, if there's a sale, then we deal with that gallery directly to deal with that. Obviously it doesn't affect the artist percentage of the sale. Um, and also if we are representing that artist, the expectation is that if they show elsewhere, then we are credited as the representation for that artist. And it's more of a, a courtesy thing, but also it's just, it shows that the artist is serious in their practice mm. if they're acknowledging who's looking after them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there is definitely, I, I, you could consider it a limitation, but I see it more as a courtesy and a respect. In the same way, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm working with that artist because I'm working with that artist, not somebody else. So it's a mutual, mutual respect. Yeah. So do you like, have, like, have you nurtured a lot of careers over the time of the gallery as well? Yeah. Like had people come in and like do first or second yeah. solo show and, yeah. then, and now they're a big, big name and yeah. they've sort of come up through the gallery. Yeah, yeah definitely. And I think, I, I mean, all we can take credit for is not the success of the artist, but being able to facilitate them in that individual step, whatever it may be for that moment. Um, our job isn't to springboard artists or to prep them for greater success. Our sole job is to work with the artist about their art and their upcoming exhibition. And obviously consider where they will be in their career. I mean, you can only really plan for us. In my head, I'm sort of planning five, six years ahead. When you start getting 10 years, it's a bit far, who knows what's gonna happen. Um, but we're not so short-sighted just to think about that individual show to the point where I'm not really interested in working with artists for a show, unless it's a very set project, which is about that one thing. But if I, if I just have a, one of our artists and they want to do a show, I'm only really interested in showing them if we can forge that relationship and create that, that future. Um, so yeah, I, and I'm also not interested in sort of just working with an artist and just kind of, you know, plateauing across the way. I really want to, as we grow, the artist grows, we kind of grow together. Um, I never put myself in the galleries above the artists, but I also never think the artists above the gallery. I think it should be harmonious. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, we, we, we nurture artists, but yeah. <laughs> we, the, the artist nurtures the gallery as well. Yeah. By support and you know, respect and everything like that. Yeah, because it goes both ways. It's like, as you're saying, like when you're selecting the artists you want to show, you want to show them because they because you, you like the, their yeah. work and that fits with yeah. the gallery and all that type yeah. of stuff but then it's also the it's for the artists like they can see themselves yeah. exhibiting in China yeah. Heights as well it's yeah. like oh that's the sort of place I want to be yeah. so it works works both ways yeah and yeah. you know things change and some artists you work you might do a few shows and they might move on or they might maybe move overseas or you know anything can happen and um, and that you know that's 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 life and that's good um, but again it's always that thing of maintaining that 
you know, a, a certain connection to the artist. Even artists who we don't work with, we haven't worked for a long time. There's still a lot of artists that we still, you know, within their CV, we sit in their CV, mm. we're part of that trajectory of that, mm. that life. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you mentioned before that you do like, you know, projects and stuff with yeah. artists. Like, like, do you, um, do you like do collaborations with uh, other companies as well? Like, um, you know, to get, get a project off the ground. Like say someone, someone will come to you but they want to have ownership of the project as yeah. well. But you, know, you yeah. do a collaboration yeah. with, with an artist and, yeah. and get something out there. Yeah. So do you do, you do a lot of that stuff? Yeah, look, we, we, we by, by surviving, we've done a lot of things. We do so many things that we don't necessarily promote, not because we don't want to, but because it's not relevant for us to promote it because we're actually just doing the projects. Mm. Um, I guess a great example of what you're saying, or what I can, what I think you're saying, is um, you know right now we're we just finished a very large public artwork, um, which we essentially produced this artwork, but we're not credited for it, but we don't expect to be credited because we are we've been engaged by the gallery and the artist, who's then. You know, without out, everyone's responsibilities outlined, we produce the work. The work's there. We organise technicians to create the work. Um, we deal with the client, but we're working for another gallery. So we, yeah, I mean, I, you can call it a collaboration, but I see it more as uh, us providing a creative service. Um, yeah, so we're not. We're definitely not limited. It's just unrealistic for a gallery to think, yeah, I'm just going to sit here on the gallery. I'm in my space, my desk and my computer selling work and I just sit here where, you know, that, that does exist. But for us, one of the things behind our name is we are doing other stuff. We're consulting on certain things. We're producing certain things. We're co-producing certain things, collaborating, as you said, on, on certain projects. But, um, it's just that it's just that thing in business of being diverse, not limiting yourself just to one little aspect. Um, yeah, so yeah, I guess to answer yes, we do do that. Yeah, but again, there's so many. We're constantly working on something, so there's always different different projects in the works, whether it's in development or whether it's in negotiation or whether it's actually in production. Yeah, um, yeah. Because you even um, rent the gallery out between shows as a photography studio. Yeah, well, well I mean that, that's a great example. Yeah. So we it's really important for our business to be self-sufficient. Um, self-sufficient meaning we don't rely on funding or grants or money from goodwill from other parties. Um, any money we earn goes back into the business to pay for the business to keep it going, pay the rent. Um, so in between our monthly exhibitions, our exhibitions now run for about a good three weeks in that month block. Um, and in between we have downtime, as you've seen right now in the empty space. Um, and quite often we use the space for photo shoots and media showings and media events and things like that. And they're great because we get to work with some really, obviously, you know, interesting brands, different creative people, different photographers, different producers, 
whatever it may be. Um, and they, they come in that morning, they do the thing, they leave that night. So it's just a little, it's just a little, um, you know, they, they rent the space, they pay for it and everything. It's just a little kind of, it just helps support the business. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, a few years ago, I was, I helped out on an event from this fashion brand. They had a massive fashion week party and the party was at the, the museum down the road. And I had no idea. I was like, this is a really, it's a, it's a museum. You look at fossils there. And I had no idea that this museum had a whole second life as fundamentally a venue. And I started researching it more about, you know, I'm talking Sydney here. Mm. So the MCA, the Art Gallery of New South Wales, places like that. These places were, when I realized that these places were after hours, almost every evening, hosting some kind of function or event there. And of course, I never associate that, that brand with that company that did that party there. Um, and it really gave me a better understanding of how somewhere you can establish a space and a brand and a business, but also work with, it's almost like white label stuff. You produce or you work with these things, you do these shoots and these events. One day they're there, the next day they're gone. No one knows anything about it apart from the people there or that experienced it. And it doesn't have any association with the brand name. So when I realized that that's actually a way for these places to bring in revenue, then I applied that model on a small scale to us here. Um, you know, at first I was thinking maybe it's a bit compromising to the gallery, but I realized it's actually not. It's just like doing a, like if you do sign a logo for someone's cafe or something, mm. it's cool, you just do it, do the job, that's it, see you later. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's how we, we, we do that sometimes. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that actually because I um like years ago when I was when I was really young, um, still a teenager I think I was um I got a job working at a football stadium uh-huh. just um pouring drinks behind yeah. a bar but like in the sort of high rollers area, uh-huh. and it got to the end of football season and I thought oh shit I'm out going to be out of a job, yeah. and um and they kept me on and they said oh no this place is going all all year round yeah. and it, and my job was just to go and set up rooms like set set tables yeah. with cutlery and all yeah. that and bring yeah. the chairs and then set up for conferences yeah. and all that it's like all these rooms yeah. in a football stadium are just just constant yeah it's like man it's like yeah. really busy and it's yeah. exactly what, what yeah. you're saying it's like yeah. you know you wouldn't think you just think oh the season's over it's, yeah. it's done now it's cricket or, or nothing yeah. you know <laughs> but um but yeah it was a really busy mm-hmm. job yeah well i mean the, the thing is this space and like all these other spaces i said even more so then but it is an uh, empty warehouse it's a beautiful space it would be a shame for it to be laying dormant i don't like i I think that would be um not only inefficient but it's also i don't like the idea of resources not being used to their fullest Mm. um why have something laying around i mean of course it doesn't mean anyone just come in and do whatever but at the same time we have a you know a great space and it's good that it's used constantly and again more and more you see it where you know all around down the road you have the carriage works the beautiful space it's a disused train yard massive huge hangars huge area and they had they literally have every night a whole different thing going on there and it's great because you go into the space you look at this beautiful space but also you get to do whatever you're doing there whatever the event is but yeah the fact that it was laying dormant for so long i used to live across the road from it i used to look at it and i was really 
I mean, I wouldn't understand how you could make something like that work to the capacity that it does today. But it was always uh, something I considered the fact this beautiful, amazing space is just empty for years, mm-hmm. decades. Um, but yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Have you ever done that with the gallery? Like, um, are you putting on an exhibition that doesn't fit the space? And like looked out for um, other locations to put it on. Yeah, look, when we say fit, I think I could only, I, I immediately think of something that physically doesn't fit within the space. Um, usually, if we have something planned, it it's already the space has been considered. So you don't you don't get a semi trailer rocking up with stuff that won't fit in the door. Um, there. We do a lot of satellite projects, um, which may be our gallery offsite for, as you said, certain things which may not physically fit, might be an installation, what have you, might be something interstate. Um, There's been a few projects where they, basically if there's any problems, say fit, like it's not the right direction for us, if there's any issues, you, Again, it's like discussing pricing. It doesn't just happen on the day. You've already been discussing something for so long. Immediately, you don't know if something's going to work or not. You know, we if something's more like a music event, we have several different music venues we work with in the city. Um, so we'll direct them elsewhere. Um, you know, we'll work with some large-scale public works where we can't do it within the gallery, so then we can find a nice big wall and work with the local council and help produce that kind of stuff um, but yeah fit I don't know I, I guess that's what you mean by fit mm. yeah um, yeah it is really yeah yeah yeah. because yeah. <laughs> I guess it, it is planned like if, yeah. if you have a vision for the show you yeah. know oh, it's going to be in this gallery you know what the gallery yeah. looks like yeah exactly know? but um, like I've only because I've only seen the room, the galleries yeah. empty. Yeah. Like, do you get a lot of people do installations in there as well? Because you've got yeah. the beautiful exposed yeah. bricks and all yeah. that. And um, yeah, I just I, you know yeah. haven't uh, seen anything yeah. in there. Yeah. So do you have do you focus more just on the the art on the walls and is yeah. it more of a white white cube or are you uh, open for uh, people I think painting? Every single exhibition we've ever done, we've done a lot of shows over the years. There's every single exhibition is fully considered. Every single exhibition is a unique installation. Um, of course, a lot of the shows, when it's just uh, artwork hanging on a wall, there are limitations when there's only so many places you can hang that artwork. Um, but if you come into, you're never going to walk into a show after seeing another. You're never going to walk into two shows and think they look exactly the same. They're always going to be unique. Um, with the installation stuff, we do have a lot of very, um, cons- like, yeah, a lot, lot of it, there are actually site specific installations we've had in there um, where there might be an artist that has painted a mural on the wall, um, or there may be an artist that actually u- utilizes raw elements of the space and creates something that fits within that. Um, yeah, I, 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 n- I never want to be limiting to the artist and stonewall something and say, no, you can't do that. Of course, there's certain things we can't do. You know, we've had things with fire and things with cutting holes in the floor and stuff like that, and we've been, you know, we can't really do that. But, you know, we've got a pretty uh, practical installation background already. 
So generally, if an artist comes to me with an idea, we work out a way to facilitate it, mm. um, yeah, whatever that may be. But look, more often than not, I it's, it may be an artist painting a background, painting a wall, a colour, painting a mural or something like that, which is great for the exhibition. Um, and then once the show's over, paints back to white and that's it. Mm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I guess we've had all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are there any uh, memorable exhibitions that come to mind? There's so many. <laughs> I can't, you know, I've been asked this a few times before. I, I, you can't limit it. We've literally had hundreds of exhibitions over the years. Mm. Uh, and I can remember very clearly, a few I don't know because I was, may have been overseas at the time, but even then I visually have seen them from photographs. Um, there's no one show that I could say is memorable and I definitely can't put it down to one particular artist either. Every, there's, there's definitely been shows I prefer than others, but it's again, it's that fine line of the gallery. I'm not about, it's not about my personal taste. It's about, I, I think at any level I need to be able to appreciate the artwork. If I can't appreciate it or if I don't, if I, there's definitely things that I may not enjoy as much. <laughs> Well, may not want hanging in my house, but it doesn't mean I can't enjoy it. It's like when you walk into any museum, you'll walk around and you'll take in everything you see. There may be things you might even look at for a second and it may not interest you. Uh, but it's important for us to always show stuff that we like. So in saying that, I couldn't put it down to a memorable exhibition because I really... I really... Well, we all really try, when we do the exhibition, to work with the artists and that exhibition is the, usually the best we can do for all given elements like we can't do any better than it. we have this artwork it's hung this way we're going to install it it's framed this way we're going to make this look as best as possible um so yeah i, I wouldn't say there's any one memorable exhibition or memorable i i just really a show um, i'm usually working for each show so i'm always thinking that's i can try to keep it really fresh I can't, I can't say it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, nah, it's all good. Um, like, do you, do you have like a, a dream list of artists that you want to be looking to work with in the future? I know you said you've got a lot of, a stable of artists yeah. you'd like to work yeah. with them. But like outside of that stable, do you have like a list that you're sort of, sort of like yeah. working through or like would like yeah. to somehow get in the gallery? You know, I wouldn't say I have a dream list in, you know, like a dream team. I wish I could work with this artist and that mm. artist. Mm. There's certainly artists that I may have a relationship with that I'd like the opportunity to work with but they you know for whatever reason may not work out more often than not it's just the fact that they're overseas mm. and we know a lot of people around the world and work with a lot of artists around the world but they're just artists that we actually can't for whatever reason it's just too difficult to get them here timing um, or you know funding and things like that mm. um, and, you know, we've done projects where we've funded the artists to come out and it's great, but that's a, that's a labor of love because it costs you a lot of money. Um, but yeah, we don't have a, a, a dream list of artists to work with. It's, it's, it's really about, we may look at certain artists and I mean, it goes back to the earlier question of how do you curate or select artists? It's like, you kind of don't, it just naturally evolves. Um, so yeah, we don't have a, a hit list. Um, but really our, our dream is to work with certain artists that we you know that when the opportunity arises we'll work with them you know when they manage to get out here 
when they're ready for an exhibition or when they're not traveling or any of that kind of stuff. Um, I know like a lot of my answers are being kind of general, <laughs> but it really is the thing is we do work with a lot of people. Yeah. So I can't focus on a specific, not even being diplomatic, but I actually, my head isn't like, my head is thinking rounded for the whole, the gallery as a whole. Um, so I would never think of any one set individual, but it's more just about uh, a, a group. Yeah. Everyone combined. Yeah. In a sense. Like I know you started the gallery with um, with the artist Mark Drew. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So again, going back in the story, time machine of two thousand and four or thereabouts. Um, I have a through mutual friends. I met this guy Mark Drew. He was a you know an artist at the time, um, and he was doing a lot of zines and publications like that, sort of uh, DIY stuff. Um, and I met him through that because I was doing similar stuff. And when I got my studio, he was, we were discussing stuff and he was saying, I need a space. I'm like, yeah, well, I've got this space. Maybe we can get a desk here. So he got the space. He joined me here in the studio. Um, and that's really where the gallery is formed. There's also uh, a guy named Benji. Now he's actually based in New York now, um, working for the UN or something. Nice. And yeah, so he he came on board of that sort of first stage um so benji was although he's uh he's definitely into the arts he wasn't necessarily a visual artist he was more in the kind of the music and the performing arts side of things um so early on in the gallery we might have you know music performances or more band related stuff and that was really benji's component obviously it's a passion of us as well but that was really his side of things. Um, but again, we're not a music venue, so that was limiting. So we ended up doing a lot of that stuff elsewhere, different music venues. And uh, so yeah, Mark Drew was here and we, it was very much our studio and a gallery. The, the business name, or the name China Heights actually comes from another guy that was in our studio, a guy called Brad. Um, and he's a painter himself. And he, we were discussing we didn't have a name for a few years. It just, we just didn't have a name, it was just the space we're in. Um, we didn't really feel like we needed a name, which is because we we're just doing our own thing in our own studio. Um, but as we started doing shows, we really needed a name, something to, to sort of highlight the destination. And so Brad was thinking if we, if there was a train station here, what would it be called? And as we're halfway between Surrey Hills and Chinatown, that Foster Street is actually the border of the two. Um, we just thought China Heights, and that's sort of how the name came about. So I think that's a, a nice touch too, that one of the other guys that just happened in the studio came up with the name. Um, but really the, the genesis of the, the operations um, goes back to the sort of 90s when I was uh, working in a bar, and uh, one of the guys I was working with this English character, uh, his name's Mike, um, he really, showed me again pre-internet or the birth of digital communications um for the masses um he was we're just talking about studios and he really showed me that outside of just practicing art you can create a space but it also creates a brand and a whole identity as opposed to just one struggling artist trying to make it in the world 
kind of creating a click. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say collective, but uh, creating a group of people. Um, so it's really Mike's ideas that were sort of planted in my head. And then when I got to the studio, met Mark, and Benji, we just took over the space and it grew from there. I mean, prior to that, this space was just a, a fashion studio, which is a really cool studio. And it had, you know, different sewing machines and there's all sorts of people here, there's filmmakers, all that kind of thing. Um, but you know, we were, we just were implanted in that. It really wasn't our direction. So over time we sort of took it from there and grew from that point. Um, and eventually what happened was, as I said, you know, Benji moves over to New York, which is great. And Mark moved to Japan. Um, and Mark's been in Japan, I don't know, about maybe eight years now. Um, quite a long time. And at various stages, when these people sort of moved on to elsewhere, I've, well, the business has had to take on more responsibility. Um, to the point when Mark moved to Japan, Mark still, you know, manages a lot of the digital side of the business and he's very much still part of the business as everyone that's previously been involved. Um, but Mark, Mark's artwork really, he really started making a, a name for himself. It was, a, it was a kind of a flip situation. At that time, I was painting a lot and Mark was running the gallery. But I knew Mark's passion was and always has been in making art more for the graphic side of things but so Mark moved to Japan and really gave forced himself to solely make art like you were saying with travel um, whereas I then had to kind of put my art not on the back burner but I had to focus more on the gallery so ultimately it was a bit of a role reversal where Mark now has association with the gallery he does his piece which is great but he's focusing on his art and his art's doing really well he's getting a great name for himself around the world he's really nailed a few um, uh, concepts which are just blown up super popular Um, which I mean the main thing about that is it's just allowed him to keep making more art but with myself I'm really focusing on the gallery the the gallery is is what it is it's here but the gallery really takes all of my attention so you know I will paint and I'll do exhibitions but only sporadically um, and I'll treat an exhibition like a job. I know I have a show in six months. I have to focus on that. And I treat it like with a deadline. Um, so, yeah. I, and then looking at the gallery itself is... I try... The, the gallery is a, is a name, a, a, an entity that floats by itself. Of course, I'm associated with the gallery and other people have been involved in it, associated as much as the artists are associated with the gallery. Um, but, you know, every now and then I run into someone and like, oh, you're still working at China Heights? I'm like, yeah, still here. But <laughs> I, I like the fact that I don't, the gallery doesn't have to be based around an individual because it's not really about that. It's about that, that name, that business. Of course, there's other people working with us. Mm. We have other people doing administration, sales, you know, installation, and everything, all the, all the aspects. Um, but I guess that's really why my role is as director I'm just here overseeing yeah. the, the, the gallery and then where, where necessary other people sort of come involved to sort of help out yeah, yeah. right so um, are there any uh, up and coming 
um, exhibitions or projects you want to give a plug to? Yeah, so I mean, we're we're mid June right now. Um, we've got a pretty we've got a very exciting uh, schedule. I only really announced sort of what's upcoming for the next year because stuff changes already, even within the next six months of shows, a lot of things changing. Um, so the next two shows, the next two upcoming shows are by Otis Hope Kerry, who's an indigenous painter, um, and Ali Webb, who's a phenomenal, uh, I guess you call her a printmaker. She's, she specializes in lino cuts. Um, so going back to Otis, Otis has uh, held his first solo show with us about a year and a half ago now. Um, had a great response, amazing work. Uh, and really the focus on his work is the, I mean, look, he's a contemporary painter with an optical basis in his work. You know, he's got a lot of other things that in his life that if you know about him or you do some research, you can find out he has a very big profile elsewhere. But that aside, that's irrelevant to us. We're focusing on his art and he's an amazing creative. He's one of those people that he just paints. He loves painting, does his amazing works. So as you can tell, I'm really excited about that show. Um, and I want to keep working with Otis as, you know, as long as I can. Um, so that's coming up mid-August and then Otis's show will open up in this gallery here and then the main gallery will put uh, Ali's show there. So this will actually be Ali's first... This kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier. This will be Ali's first exhibition. I think she's had a few pieces in some solo shows... Sorry, in some uh, group shows. Um, and she, she's got a background in uh, commercial graphic design, I guess, or visual communications. Um, and she's a phenomenal drawer she will kind of draw with charcoal and then with ink but she's she's translated that to lino cutting and these the works are sort of scenes of people in their day to day might be at a restaurant or at a bar or something amazing work but we're excited because it will be her debut show solo show um and you know, a lot of people are really interested in her work. So it'd be a great opportunity for people to see it en masse. Um, and then after that, we have, yeah, just for the rest of the year, we just have a lot of really, actually for the rest of the show, I have a lot of kind of conceptual shows coming up, which is really good. Um, we have a group photo show with uh, Sam Stevenson, and um, which is based, which is in uh, Mental Health Month. And they're sort of, I guess you call them visual diaries. They're photographs of people that he's worked with in various um, rehabilitation. Um, and they will have stories written with the photographs. Um, and then after that, we have a show with... A two-man show with Bryce Anderson, which is a young painter from... Uh, he's kind of in the Lismore region. It is his kind of hyper-real, surreal, collage paintings, beautiful works. Um, and I'm going to offset him with um, uh, Adam Turnbull, who's an artist, an Australian artist, but he's been based in New York as well. And his works are pure conceptual works. He's going to do a series of paintings which are based on um, 
the visual representation of static, kind of like on the TV screen, mm-hmm. but they're actually his interpretation of what that may be in relation to audio. Um, and yeah, then we've got, I don't know, we've got a lot of other stuff coming up, a lot of great stuff. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the main the, the, the things, because I sort of, I look at my schedule and I plan, program everything and I get excited about everything, but I really focus on those immediate upcoming shows. Mm. So, you know, the August program is the kind of the, the big one for us because we put all our attention on that and then the next set of shows, so forth. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good you see uh seem um really excited about yeah. the artists you're yeah, working definitely. with it's, definitely it's great yeah. yeah i don't i think if, if i wasn't i wouldn't want to be yeah. well, not working with the artist i wouldn't want to be in this game yeah i want to be just as excited about the artist's exhibition as the artists themselves yeah because you know the artists might get close to the show as you're saying they get worried about the prices or get worried about selling work they get nervous when it's going to turn up and all this stuff so we're there to kind of guide them through that part of it mm. some artists do a lot of exhibitions as they understand they're not worried but other artists particularly when it's their debut show they get really like a bit, bit, uh, bit uh, precautious yeah. a bit, uh, bit apprehensive but uh, anyway yeah so yeah that's really I guess to summarise everything we're really about we work with the artists and the artist becomes the gallery and the gallery becomes you know it's all unified yeah so so um so where's the best place for people to keep up to date with what's going on with China Heights? Uh, yeah, look, I just sent the usual stuff. Um, to be honest, I think in this, in time with this interview, at least for the next year or so, the best place really is the Instagram, um, which is just China Heights, at China Heights. Um, and that links to our website, that links to all the current events, and that link that shows not only who we're working with, but what we're looking at and things where projects we're doing outside of the gallery um, or just our website, chinaheights.com and you know, we'll get the Facebook and all that kind of normal stuff. But that's the main thing, everything, everything kind of just links to each other. It's all just, just through China Heights, I guess. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, that's, that's it, I'm saying, chinaheights.com. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, thanks for taking the time to uh, have a chat. And it's, been, it's great to be in Sydney and do, yeah. it, do it in person. Yeah, it's, definitely, um, definitely. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, definitely. All right. All right. Good to meet you. Thank you. No worries. Cheers. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To find out more about today's guest, go to benchtalkpodcast.com. There you'll find all previous episodes and images of the guest's artwork. Also, follow us on Instagram, bench underscore talk there you can keep up to date with all things that are happening with the podcast bench talks also streaming on soundcloud and facebook just simply search for bench talk podcast or you can subscribe to the podcast on itunes while you're there don't forget to rate and review it helps get the word out and if you like the podcast don't forget to tell a friend thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode bye